This is Cyber Defense Radio with your host and cybersecurity expert, Gary Malefsky. Gary brings to you another globally recognized cybersecurity executive in the hot seat today. Sitting in my hot seat today, he is a very special guy, very busy guy. Aaron Goodwin is the Chief Information Security Officer of B. Riley Financial, which is a multi-dimensional financial services company. You can find out more about them at brileyfin.com. Aaron, welcome to the hot seat today. Thank you, Gary, so much. I'm proud to be here. Yeah, and you've got, like most of your peers, you've got a lot of issues with, are the technologies doing what they're supposed to do? Is Do I have the right DLP solution? Looking for new innovative solutions in zero trust, email. Can you tell us what's it look as you try to find technologies and solutions to help reduce the risk of a breach? We have really started focusing on looking at what our portfolio has been over the past several years and seeing, okay, what's new out there? What are the new trending things? What new technologies have really made a mark out there and are really showing some protective mechanisms that we haven't seen in the past? Coming down to inbound email protection, right? Everybody's got a secure email gateway and things of that nature, but what's that next layer, right? So can't really depend all the time on things like Microsoft ATP, Google's protection stuff. So we're starting to layer in other pieces before it gets to the end user. That's really showing benefit, really seeing a huge reduction in the amount of phishing emails we're receiving, spam emails we're receiving. And there's some added benefits, external DLP, seeing how our, what our users are sending out. Maybe are those going to places they should be going? Are they sending out data they should be sending? Those kind of things. And being able to monitor and track that and shut off that access, if that's a thing, because you can also track to see if an attacker's in the environment and seeing that email flow going out, right? Which could be exposing, exposing that data in a breach case situation. Seen a lot of other cool things around zero trust, as you said. I was seeing some new technologies that zero trust is a huge umbrella term, but when it comes down to it, some of the protections you could do internally to shut down the environment to where it's more segmented. We're seeing some really cool things happening there. And for the past several years, we've been testing some penetration testing software internally and that are automated and show you a black box, white box, gray box kind of situation. We've been testing a few of those in the past couple of years and we're now moving, okay, now what's the outside? Can you get in the outside autom automated with some of these things with some of the new attacks or ransomware payloads that are coming on? And can you get in the environment? And when you get in the environment, what's that look like? We already know what it looks like internally, but we want to see what it looks like from a hacker's point of view coming inside. And that's what we've been looking at. So Aaron, to fingerprint your own network footprint and topology from a hacker's perspective so you can see what they might find and then what do you do next do you leverage the miter attack framework do you say okay i've got a cve i've got to patch this computer i've got to bifurcate the network uh, what do you do when you've created this view of your landscape that is similar to the hacker's view we are we're using the miter attack framework to, to look at those attacks that are coming in okay so what are those uh, exposures that are we're seeing, okay, how can we rank this and put a, put a, I guess you'd say a classification on that so that we can start moving towards resolving that issue and then just keep beating the system over and over again until you, you look at it and you say, you know what, from this point of view, until the next attack comes out, I think that we've been safer than we have been in the past. And it's all about bringing the posture up, right? But bringing that security posture up, getting it to the next level. 
nobody's ever going to be protected fully from an attack. But anything we can do to reduce the risk is what we're trying to accomplish. Aaron, you had brought up DLP. I'm wondering, post-COVID, 52% in growing numbers or working from home, maybe permanently in most organizations. Do you have a lot of remote workers? Has it escalated the risk? And is that one of those things where you say, look, we've got to have multi-factor. We've got to have a way to identify and provide identity and access management and know it's really a user from their home, but also have a DLP endpoint solution or DLP protection for all those remote workers because of the risk that maybe they don't do it on purpose, but maybe they get compromised and data starts leaking. Yeah, so we, the working home situation was definitely something that was a mad dash to get done. We had people that were remote in the beginning that were more of it, work a few days here, whatever it may be. But whenever that whole work from home thing happened with COVID, we had to come together really quickly and get some technologies in place to make that happen. Thankfully, we had just tied on Microsoft C5 license, so we had Defender in there. We had a few other things that happened, and we were a lot, of course, we never let personal device touch the network, but those corporate devices, we were able to have a lot more control over, and then we were able to really wall off those personal devices and only give them the items they really needed. I really lock it down so that they couldn't access things they shouldn't be doing. And the DLP agent side, that's something we're still playing around with, so we're trying to see, okay, where do we see the most data moving and then attack that. So we started with the email side. We've been watching some of these DLP movements with products like Veronis and things like that. So we can know where that data is moving throughout the environment. And we started to attack it at that level first. And that's technology and keeping a, an eye on the computers and the data, the data at rest, data in transit, good stuff. But really, it boils down to your staff, how well they're trained, the user behavior. A lot of users don't really understand good computer hygiene. We all brush our teeth every day, but maybe we don't brush our computer's teeth when we should. And that's where we need the help of a CISO like you. What are you, what are you doing in that area? Are you training your users frequently? How, do you have any recommendations for our viewers? And I think with the regulations that are out there, it became a mandate that you train your users on cybersecurity best practices and things of those natures. So we started there, right, years ago. And then we started moving and making, uh, growing the program to where it was more tied to computer hygiene, to where you're getting more phishing training and a more fake phishing tests on a regular basis. And it's not just quarterly, it's ongoing. We're hitting a annual cybersecurity training, of course, but then we as a department see these threats that are coming in, see some of these uh, news articles, and we'll write some specialized emails to the firm's employees about these. We get a lot of good feedback from those employees and they're asking questions. What can I do at home? What can I do better here? That's done really well. And then we take it to the next level and we've really started focusing on the IT and security departments and just making sure they have a lot of training that they're mandated to do on an annual basis. So that stay up to date on the technologies, the skills that they need and some of the new protection mechanisms going on. And we've continued to expand that program. And I believe it has really bolstered our confidence of our employees over time. So, Aaron, Cybersecurity Awareness Month should not just be October, it should be every month as well. It should be every month and every other week, something that has a cadence to where it shows that there's progress being made, right? If you do it quarterly or you do it once a year, that progress is, it's hard to track. It's hard to really track that progress. So we've really trying to focus on doing it 
as often as we can, and we've seen really good results. And then say somebody fails a fishing test, we throw them through a fishing training immediately. And if it grows, it has a progressive tiering training cycle on it. So it continues to show that we are showing how important it is to the firm, and we want them to take it seriously as well. That makes so much sense. And are you regulated as a financial organization by, is it the SEC, is it the FDIC? Are there different regulators? Are there state regulators that create a little extra pressure on you? Are there any compliance issues or regulatory compliance standards that in your industry you have to worry about? The main ones that we are under are around SEC, FINRA, NYDFS, CCPA. Those are the ones that we primarily look at, right? So the focus of some of those regulations in the past has been outdated. NYDFS came in, tried to step up that game, which is really, you know, around 800, 170, NIST 800-170 baselining security. And then you know, now you're starting to see SEC come out. They've got some requests for proposals out there right now. They're really going to try to get those reporting cycles and the security standards a little bit higher across the board, right, with public companies. So not just financial related sectors, but also the public company sector, which I think is a big, strong thing that's going to be done now. They're putting some stringent rules in there that are being commented, and we hope that we'll see some fluctuation there that changes, but they're definitely trying to pick up the, the speed on how this gets done. So does that mean you buy tools and technologies and services that kind of document everything they're doing, and then you have to roll that up and create reports for regulatory standards, or is there is there a methodology that you've come up with on your own? How do you really deliver the results to get the regulators off your back, if you will? So truthfully, we've, we started out this journey looking at what solutions were out there and knowing that some of these things that were coming down the pipe, we had not seen before. So what we were trying to focus on was, okay, what can we focus on right now that we can build internally, maybe in SharePoint or maybe in a list here to start tracking it at least, right? Tracking the exemptions against policies or the exceptions against policies and where we have gaps. So we, did, we definitely focused in a compliance governance tool to help us monitor our governance, or I mean, our compliance to those rules. And that was a big way that we can show it. It's got beautiful gauges and reports and stuff to help you with that. But then we also do have a lot of those internal things that we, lists and stuff that we build to make sure that we're constantly monitoring the things that need to be monitored. And then when we're asked for a report, we can spit out a report CSV or whatever to those groups and show them where we are. And really what they're asking for in a nutshell is, are you protecting privacy and data? Yeah, they're really focusing on the confidentiality of your data. Make sure your customer's data is safe. Make sure that encryption's in place. Make sure MFA is in place. Make sure you have an incident response policy and those kind of things. And you're, that you're going through these exercises that help and have been proven to help during situations. Because as I said earlier, we can't protect ourselves from 100% from attacks, but what we can do is plan well. And that's what we're trying to do is plan very well. And Beat Riley Financial is an innovator in your industry, and it sounds like an exciting place to work. Tell us about the job hiring in cyber. Do you have openings? Is it difficult? Do you have any tips or ideas for your peers on filling the roles? Can you point our viewers and listeners to a place yeah. if they're looking for work? Yeah, I think the I think what you see out there right now is the market is all over the place. Finding good people is hard and finding dedicated individuals that are enthusiastic about 
what they're coming to do has been hard. You're afraid that you're going to get one person or you get them in and then they're going to be gone in a few months. That's been a struggle. So what we have done, we've taken our security growth slow, right? We took a role, we filled it as much as we could, packed it full of responsibilities as much as we could. When that came overflow or became overburdensome for some of us to take on a new situation, we'd go to fill a new, new job. So we just got through hiring a new position and that's working out really well. So we expect that we'll have another position in the coming year in, in my department, but IT is always looking for people. It's a constant situation as we grow, as we acquire, we continue to look for energetic new people to come into the firm. And if you want to check that out, go to brileyfin.com forward slash careers. And we got a listing of all the jobs we're looking to fill. Aaron, that sounds great. brileyfin.com forward slash careers. Great company, great job openings. Do you, do you have anything else you want to share with our viewers and listeners that we haven't covered yet? No, I just think that as we continue to go through this world that we're in today, whether it be a recession or whatever it be, that companies continue to focus on cyber and security overall. Get your board members involved. Get your executives involved. Make sure they realize if you're a public company that the SEC rules coming down are going to heavily apply to them. There's liability situation in there they need to be aware of. You need to make sure they're educated. And so they don't run into these situations. Those are some big ones that we person I'm personally working on. And I think it's just something everybody should do. Another one too is policies, right? Policies, procedures, making sure that the policies you have are up to date with the times and make sure those procedures are working, right? And, and make sure the flow works well and that there's no missing steps throughout the process. Because when you get in the middle of a situation, you want to make sure your playbook is up to date. So I think those are some of the biggest things. That's great advice. So have a playbook to get your executives and your board to understand the importance of cyber and compliance and have your playbook for cyber breaches, incidents, and cyber defense to get one step ahead of the next threat. Yes. Aaron Goodwin, you are the Chief Information Security Officer of B. Riley Financial at brileyfin.com. Careers is got a link there at brileyfin.com forward slash career. So I recommend our viewers and listeners check it out. You've been listening to Cyber Defense Radio. Stay tuned next time for another amazing and informative episode. CyberDefenseRadio.com is proudly part of the Cyber Defense Media Group, where InfoSec knowledge is power. Cyber Defense TV and Cyber Defense Radio have launched 24 by 7 by 365 live streams. Visit them online today at cyberdefense.tv and cyberdefense.radio with your host and globally recognized cybersecurity expert and my good friend, Gary Malewski.